Greetings, cyberspace, and welcome to episode 166 of the Double Density Podcast with your host, Brian and Angelo. Double Density is your home to tech tales and paranormal primers. Now, first things first, Angelo, I may have uh, made a, a grave error, a grave mistake. The greatest mistake I ever made was giving um, uh, Rob Christopherson of our, Your Strange Skies, Our Strange Skies, Everyone's Strange Skies, my phone number, because he and I text each other on a regular basis, and uh, um, he makes me mad, I make him mad. Uh, it's a cycle of like, like anger that we share together. And with that in mind, I invited Rob on because of the fact that he and I have a lot to talk about, um, that directly involves you in some ways and indirectly involves you in others. So, uh, Rob, mm-hmm. welcome to the show. Angelo, deal with it. <laughs> Hi, Rob. Hey, Angelo. Uh, it's, it's been a while, man. Uh, I haven't been on this thing since 2019, so it's, it's good to be back and, uh, Oh, we've got things to talk about. <laughs> um, so before I forget, though, I'm going to make this very evident sound here. There we go. I, uh, uh, Brian, for I the viewers, white claw. <laughs> I, bought, I bought a white claw for recording. I'm, I'm now a basic yeah. white girl. I bought the black cherry uh, white claw. Angelo, are you, uh, have you tried a white claw? Are you a seltzer boy? I have no idea what a white claw is. Is that well, alcoholic sounds, in, in, in nature it or is, not? It is correct. It is an alcoholic beverage, Angelo. That, that's... That sounds about right for uh, Angelo. I, I'm, I'm I'm not shocked that you haven't heard of White Claw, uh, even though it's like been all over the internet uh, to anyone who's logged on in the last like year. No, no, I, but they know not to market that to me because I don't. I drink you don't water partake. and coffee. Um, so I don't know. Full disclosure: I don't know if you've ever discussed this, Rob. I've never mentioned this to you, but I have taken THC spray before recording with Angelo, and unfortunately, it's done nothing to me. Really? Um, so I tried to get high and record an episode of Double Density. <laughs> the one I don't, I don't remember which episode, but did not work. So I think I might up my game and like, like secretly get high before an episode and see if Angelo notices. That's uh, fair. I think you should definitely do that. Uh, you know, this is like, oh no, Ross and Carrie, but like the lazy version where you don't go out and join a cult <laughs> or anything like that. But you, uh, you indulge in the finer things in life. You have Angelo here who is by all accounts, straight edge. And, uh, yeah, like we have Brian here, Mormon who, and all uh, but name. has to bring, yeah, you have to bring that, uh, that razor's edge <laughs> to this podcast. That's a, yeah. I, I was going to say, I'm just like CM Punk, but then you brought in uh, razor Ramon. Yeah. But yeah, I did. I mean, the murderer listen, razor Ramon. Yeah, God damn, we were we, we really going there that quick? <laughs> well, I've learned from watching the dark side of the ring that many a wrestler are murderers. Yeah, there do seem to be quite a few, and their murders just the murders that they commit just seem to get you know uh, pushed under the rug. Uh, nobody seems to know. like nobody knew about uh, Jimmy Snuka no. the, the murder that he committed no. for like what decades. Well, I was just about to bring him up because I watched the Iron Sheik documentary, and there's that whole segment where they're talking about how the Iron Sheik's daughter was killed by her boyfriend, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, Who's there to talk about it? But Jimmy Snuka. Of course. Uh, <laughs> the oddest choice to have anybody talk about uh, murder. Um, yeah. Um, that's, I'm going to have to live with that thought in my head now for at least a week. Like, there was a murderer who talked about someone else's murder. What the fuck? Yeah, well, I, I think at the time they did not realize he was a murderer, right? Because this is before yeah uh, anything came out about that. But... Yeah, Dark Side of the Ring. Highly recommend that if you haven't watched it, Rob. Thanks, Angelo. Um, so two things before I forget. Firstly, um, we're recording on Sunday, June 20th, so happy Father's Day, Angelo. Uh, oh, congrats on like siring some offspring back in the day. What did they get you? Yeah. <laughs> what did they get yeah. me? 
Yeah. Uh, they got me actually, they made me a really neat Don't pull card it up. here. Oh, I'll yeah, show right, it to the TV there. See, Did they, they make that for you? Oh, that's not too bad, actually. Yeah, they made that. What, look, it even has what's the timer? a... Um, or is it a compass? No, it's, it's a compass. It's a compass. Wow. Just like in Pirates of the Caribbean, it points it's to a, what I desire. What, yes. Which is uh, what? Silence? Wait, wait. No, wait, they made wait, it point wait, to wait, them. My on. daughter had a magnet hidden, hidden in her hand, and when she brought it, she's like, look, it's pointing to us because the, we're, we're the ones you love the most. Isn't that sweet? No. Not this sounds like full-fledged indoctrination. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad you said it, Rob, because I was also thinking it. Because Rob and I had been joking about how you were maybe going to be possibly late tonight due to the fact that you were teaching your kids more uh, magic tricks. No. And then they also made me a um, Pokemon Shrinky Dink. Oh, I see. Which one is your oh, favorite? Nice. Are you more of an Eevee man? or Because you showed us a picture of Eevee and Pikachu. I, yeah. I like, I've always liked Pikachu. There's something about him. He's adorable. That's a weird sentence. The second thing I wanted to say is that um, with all this wrestling talk, Hell in a Cell is going on tonight. I feel like this is like a Hell in a Cell preamble. Um, two or three of us don't actually actively pay attention to that. Um, so I would not be going to speak about that. But congrats on the wrestling talk. Um, speaking of bringing a murderer on to talk about murderers, um, uh, I invited Rob on because he has a very specific issue, Angelo. And he needs to talk to you about this because I am in agreement with him. Um, Rob, the floor is yours for the first point of the night. I, I've been, you know, listening to your podcast for a number of years. And, uh, I mean, y- you have seeped into my life to the point where I have purchased an iPhone 12. And, uh, you're welcome. I, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not thanking you. I'm not, no. I'm not, I'm not thanking you for. <laughs> Let me set this up for you, Rob. Like you, you purchased an yep. iPhone, but you couldn't use the iPhone is the crux of the issue. Yes. Yeah. That, that was the biggest problem that I had is that, you know, Apple, in their wisdom, uh, wanted to, you know, cut down on the charger blocks that are in the in the world right before they decided to change the, the goddamn cord on this thing. <laughs> it's, the same, it's the same one. Dude, no, no, you, you don't you don't just go you don't like completely change my life up over but a cord. Didn't you have an iPhone before this? Yes, I had an iPhone. It's the same charger. This. It's a different plug on it, Angelo. Oh no, it's different. It's the same. No, it's the same thing. They're both lightning. Your same charger that you had with your iPhone eight will work on an iPhone twelve. I, I use mine. Yeah, but like, it's an existential crisis, Angelo. <laughs> I can't. I can't handle that. But it's the same charger. I don't get it. It's the same charger. It's a lightning charger. It, it is a lightning charger. I get that, but like. I, well, Rob's asking, they, firstly, where's they, the plug? Like, let's start with that, right? Yeah. Where's the actual plug for the charger? Well, the, the, <laughs> the, thought, the thought there was that everybody has a charger anyway. Which is a fallacy. Yeah. Well, no, it's, I mean... Uh, is it true, Angelo? I don't know anybody who doesn't have a charger of some kind in their house or something to plug in a, a lightning cable into. Then, right? then what, was the, what was the purpose of, of this, like, going to this USB-C, like, cable. Like, what is the point of that? Oh, it comes with a USB-C cable now, it does? I, I can't remember. I, didn't even, I yeah. honestly didn't even unpack the cable. Yes, that came which is what yes, it is it is a USB-C cable. So, like, if you're going to... And, and I know that you could technically take your old, charge, your old charger cable and pretty much throw it in here, and it's going to charge fine. Yeah, of course, I get yeah, that. it's the same thing. But, like, why would you change it up... Before, right before you decide, I am not going to send out, you know, more charger blocks out into the world. That that makes literally no sense to me. I think it's because now USB-C is the more common connector on on 
on new computers coming out. Honestly, if it were me, I'd prefer a USB-A adapter in there just like you, right? Because mm. it makes more sense because more, even more people have USB-A. Like I have one actual USB-C thing I can plug into. I have a, mm -hmm. a charging block that has four USB-A and one USB-C. And I we have that as it's actually a fast charger. So we can plug in our phones and they charge way faster using that because USB-C is a faster charger um, type. You can get more power into it. But I, th I understand why they did it. Do I agree with not including a charger? I guess it's good for the environment, but that's sort of a BS reason. I think the main reason there was to save a hell of a lot of money. Well, let me ask yeah, you, Rob. Exactly. Like, did you where did you did you order directly from Apple when ordering this? No, I I ordered from my uh, my phone provider. Okay, and they didn't um, give you the option like, at, which is weird to me. Like, whenever you order something, they should be like, "Hey, by the way, knowing this is a common issue, um, like five extra bucks for the charger." Yeah, the charger was not five extra dollars; it was thirty. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah, that's so, like Canadian prices. Have you? Did you move to Canada and not tell us? <laughs> Uh, you know, uh, I'm lying in secret in a cabin in the woods somewhere. I am not disclosing my location this evening, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's just, it just seems so, so weird to do that. And then like, well, if you're, I don't disagree wanna, with you, Rob, if, if you want, and like, that's the thing is like, if you're trying to save, you're trying to save money for yourself, plain and simple. And like with a company that makes annually like quarterly what would you say their their average profit quarterly is like like right now in in the middle of a pandemic what do, what do you think their quarterly profit is right now it's billions yeah exactly exactly so yeah uh, 89.6 billion this is my official uh slam uh of, of tim apple right now tim apple I'm issuing a challenge. I want to meet you in the ring. Since it's since we started this thing with wrestling, pal, step have you into the seen ring with me, Tim. Lately, he's have he's you ripped. seen me lately, Angelo? <laughs> uh, I see. <laughs> I, uh, uh, Listen, I, would love I got a pandemic. I got a pandemic body on, and it is a freight train that ain't gonna stop. <laughs> Runaway train, never coming back, man. The the thing with Apple taking out their charger. All the other companies did the same thing too now. Yes, everyone's screwed. Yeah. So, so no matter, like, and I feel like this is a little first time buyer hostile, right? So, if you've never bought an Apple product, have nothing, and like, I'm going to buy an iPhone, you get it, and you have like an old Mac or an old PC that doesn't have a USB C mm -hmm. actual thing in it, you can't charge it. Now, right. how many of these people are there in the world? I don't know. Dozens right, like even us. in your case, you do have you do have your old lightning charger, but right. your complaint is not invalid. Right. Um, so yeah, you will not it, fight me on this. I agree with you. I'm going to shake um, your hand so and give you a hug. Angelo's literally uh, lying down awesome. on the ring. He's waiting for for the ref to count him out. It it's so weird because it doesn't even seem to be. I don't think they're leaders necessarily in changing to the USB C because I've seen other like phone companies already have the USB-C. Oh, yeah, no, they're not. So. They're not. They're definitely yeah. not. The thing with that is that they've kept the lightning adapter for su stuff like the iPhone, the AirPods, and everything else has moved to USB-C, right? Even uh, the iPads, well, the iPad Pro and all the Macs are USB-C now. Now, I'm hoping my next Mac that I get will have both USB-A and USB-C on it. I'm not, not going to have it. USB-C. <laughs> uh, well, no, look, if you look at the, the Mac Mini, 
and all the Pro stuff, the the iMac Pro, the regular iMac 27-inch, all have USB-A and USB-C. So I'm hoping they keep with that. I highly doubt that, though. Well, the Pro stuff, they've kept with both, right, in terms of the desktops. Right. Laptops, I don't think so. You're like you're in laptop land, Brian. Yeah, so I'm you, in of course, USB-C. Land. Get USB-C. Yeah. yeah, I had to buy stupid eighty dollars dongles here. Yeah, no, my wife is doing the same Ridiculous. thing. She has she has a dongle. Like, so I'm hoping that whatever iMac I buy next, which will it'll definitely be an iMac. Like the current iMac, the the, the new twenty four inch iMac is a more consumer level product, mm-hmm. and they they don't have USB. They only have USB C. Right, like so much so, if you buy the bear, the base model, you get only two USB C plugs. The higher end model gets four. I'm hoping that the the next iMac 27 inch, whatever it'll be, if it'll be 30 inch or whatever, will have a couple of USB A ports on there. As it is, it wishful thinking on my part. Probably you might need a white claw. The Rob, have you have you uh, imbibed a white claw before? I forget. Like I know Angelo is like never going to drink again, and that uh, I plan on mailing him weed in the the mail one day to just see how he freaks out. But uh, Rob, what about you? I've tried it once uh, at a bar, and uh, it led to some of the worst vomiting I've ever had. <laughs> oh, <in my> man. <laughs> um, okay, so from what I understand, there are two types of white claws. So in Quebec, what happens is that we're in a really weird system. We have like um, a government-run like liquor stores, and there's the, mm-hmm. the, the type that you can buy with the actual liquor in it. And there's like a malt version of that that is sold at the grocery store, which is like the inferior version. So I'm kind of wondering if maybe you were at a bar and had the malt version, not the liquor version. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. We'll have to do like an investigative yeah. like journalism here when, when, and uh, when find the, out. When the borders open up, Angela and I will drive down and Angela will promise to have one white claw. Okay. I, I'm glad that you're speaking for Angelo right well, of now. Course. Because, of uh, course. I know where he yeah. lives. He does not know where I live and I can go pick him up. It's true. I really yes. don't know. It's true. <laughs> You've been so, to my house twice. Uh, I've been to your twice? House two, yeah, at least twice. At least twice, yeah. Yeah. You came to visit after your alpaca farm venture. Did you see any UFOs? No, this uh, was like daytime. It, we were just, no. I wasn't staring at the skies, unfortunately. It was, uh, there was sunny, no. but like slightly cloudy days. I didn't check it out, unfortunately. So the holy grail, a daytime UFO sighting. I mean, it's unfortunate. I, you live in a, in a UFO hotspot. You live, I assume you live uh, with, uh, you know, airspace that is generally occupied by planes <laughs> uh, as well. I, so I definitely live in a flight corridor for sure because a lot of planes fly over but very high up right so mm. you hardly you hardly see you don't really hear them you just see the contrails slash chemtrails mm. uh, must be nice uh living in rural new york i get two uh different types of military planes coming from two different areas one of them comes from vermont the other comes from central new york and dear God, they rattle my house, and I hate it. Yeah, this is my uh, formal throwdown <laughs> to the United States Air Force, uh, Air National Guard. You piss me. So off. two two things before I forget. So um, uh, Rob, you're starting militia. So you're anti um, um, Apple charger, um, anti yep. <laughs> anti military aircraft around you. Yes. Okay. Perfect. Uh, I am. Uh, it just seems like. My tastes are shifting. I, 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 it's the climate that we're in right now, Brian. It's uh, it's really bad. Right. Uh, after January 6th, everything's on the table. And I think this iPhone really had something to do with it because <laughs> I'm going to talk about some of my further experiences with it. Um, uh, I did like that. Uh, it took about two hours to transfer everything, including uh, apps and what I had stored. And to be honest, I didn't have that much stored on there. Did you use iCloud transfer? Yes. 
Okay, so when you turn it on, it's like first you you bring your old phone near it and it mm. transfers that stuff, and then you say, yeah, that that yeah. used to be hot garbage to do that. Like in like the let's say 2012 era, every time I did it, uh, it would mm. screw everything up and transfer things over incorrectly, and I have to just start as a new phone. The last two times I've used it, and I've been shocked at how good it was. Yes, uh, it was uh, rather efficient. I expected it to be a little faster, but you know that is what it is. There could be a number of factors for that. I, I swear I did not have that much on this on this phone. But uh, how many fish bootlegs did you have on there? Um, yeah, and, and were they in flak? Yeah, you're right. Uh, I did have my uh, fish <laughs> flax because uh, I mean, if you want decent audio quality, uh, you're gonna need those flax. And I know Angelo, you're all about uh, the the lossless, you know, and 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 stuff. But uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can totally hear it. Um, but let me tell you. I mean, let me tell you, when you when you download some flak files from a fish show that you've been to and you're trying to convert those things just so it won't take up so much space, man, you're losing that audio quality, man. Rob, you transferred over your files. Um, things went swimmingly, though, very long. Is there anything else of, of note that you sort of like had about your, your iPhone install? Because I last summer when I did mine, I couldn't actually do the iCloud transfer properly. It was very annoying. The only The only issue now that I have... Um, and I can't blame Apple for this. I have to blame uh, the Bose company. Uh, I cannot get my um, my headphones to sync to it uh, because because I cannot do a full factory reset on them, no matter how many uh, no. uh, times I have tried. So my headphones right now are hot garbage. I, thankfully, I do have my handy adapter that I got from the last time that I uh, bought my phone. How much did that adapter cost you? Uh, it, it came with the last phone, so I, I had it lying around. So I am corded. I am not happy about it. I am rather angry about it. Uh, I do, but you can listen to lossless music. Uh, it's true. No, um, no. Just on the on the fly though. So Rob, you tried to do a factory reset on your headphones via the phone. No, you have to do. Well, I did a complete like network reset, hoping hoping that that would do it, and. There was a, a at a certain moment when I was trying to sync it that it was saying, okay, turn your uh, turn the uh, on switch and hold it over to the uh, syncing. Right. Uh, there, like if you hold it back for a second, it's supposed to sync uh, and it would not. So I looked up online. How do you do like a soft reset? How do you do a hard reset? Did uh, both things and it would not reset. And I mean, I've had problems with these headphones. Are these Bose Quiet Comforts? Yes, uh, Bose QC thirty five twos. Yeah, those are not garbage headphones. They're good, right? No, no, they're not. But like uh, every now and then, uh, when I'm listening to something, it, it just there's like a bunch of static that'll hit it every now and then. So like, there's been problems with these headphones. To you know, from like. Uh, a week after I bought them, so I mean, know. if I could justify it, I'd buy uh, the AirPods Max. Uh, a friend of the show, Tyler, has a pair, and he says mm. they are amazing, despite the price. Though the price is very high for them, but he says he wears them seven or eight hours a day while he works, and he says they're super comfortable and they sound fantastic. Uh, I will not be purchasing another Apple product, <laughs> unfortunately. My, I'm tapped out for Apple products. I I did tell Brian that uh, I, um, uh, because I don't generally use a lot of vacation time at work, I had to take like a week's payout. 
So I am going to be taking that money and uh, getting a new pair of headphones. I'm going to be shopping around because um, uh, for me, I can't I can't do pods because like my ears do not. They, they don't fit very well into my ears. So the crazy thing about that, though, is mine neither. And the only reason I bought the the pros is because they come with like three um, sizes of like fitted. Mm. And that's the only reason I bought them, because like my wife has the standard ones and I tried them. and They couldn't fit in like it was ridiculous. Mm. Um, and that's the only, only, only reason I did uh, consider pods. You like them, right, Brian? I like them a lot. Yeah, except for the case just dies really quickly and I don't even know why. Oh, that's weird. I know. So I'm very, very uh, mystified by that. But uh, unfortunately, like so. Rob, in your case, um, have you looked at the Sony's? Sony makes apparently really, really good uh, noise canceling wireless headphones. I did have, uh, when I first bought my iPhone 8, I ended up buying a pair of um, wireless headphones. Um, I'll I'll be looking into them again because uh, most of the time for, for me, I need something noise canceling for work just to drown out the sound of uh, loud machines. Oh, I thought it was the sound of mortality. Uh, I mean, <laughs> believe me, when you hear dryers turning uh, over and over again, your mortality is inside <laughs> that thing. And it is just, it's getting beaten to hell in the, in that machine. But uh, you know, uh, I try to drown it out as best I can. Yeah. It's the, the Sony WH 1000 XK, no XM four. So, like, it's a very catchy name. Yeah, it is. That is catchy. Uh, Rob, this episode drops June 23rd, which incidentally is my wedding anniversary. I just realized I probably would probably need to do something about that. But um, um, if anyone wants to tweet uh, headphone recommendations to you before you buy, like, is there a window of time? Like, uh, if people want to tweet at you at, at your UFO go, why are you UFO guy? Like, is there like a, are you like, is there a hard end to when you're investigating? Uh, I'm going to take two weeks. I'm going to take two weeks from uh, from the time that this episode drops on, on Wednesday. Uh, you have uh, two weeks. Tweet me your recommendations because uh, I'm going to need them. Angela, are you ready to do this? So and so are there any parameters in place? So they have to be Bluetooth, wireless, um, over the ear mm-hmm. headphones. Yes. Okay. Noise canceling, all that good stuff. Well, that sounds fair. Yeah. So, so my recommendation is the Sony's. Look into those. That is the one from the... Do you want to tweet yeah. at him, though, to, just to remind him? Yeah, you're going to need to tweet important. at me. Yeah, it needs to be... Va- okay. In order for it to be valid, it needs to be a tweet. Okay, perfect. Yeah. I will do that. Tweet is basically <laughs> a written contract. Oh, okay. Okay, good. I'll send you some reviews as well. Excellent. I look forward to it. Uh, to round things out, Angelo, is there anything on the tech side that you want to discuss apart from your printer, which I... Whatever. No, that was that was very much a joke. But, it was it though? Uh, was it though? Yeah, sometimes, yeah. I keep so here's that, my but... question to you. Like, how do you figure out what's show-worthy? Because I've, I was going through show notes for another reason. And the amount of times we talked about audio files is like very staggering over the last like 165 episodes. They Because they, they get on my nerves, Brian. They, what I'm going to do for the month of July is I'm going to find an audio file. It's free to debate. No, there's no reason to. You know, why not? Ultimately, make for good podcasting. Ultimately, I'm wrong here in that. Who am I to judge what they can hear and what they can't hear and what how they want to listen to something? If they enjoy it, you know what? Good for them. You just gave me a draw there, Angela. With that, you know what? I'm wrong here. I'm definitely going to clip that and use that in future episodes and editing. <laughs> so, it's going to be a bumper. A so, <laughs> so Brian, are you? Do you have access to Neil Young, and can you get him on the show to deli- to debate Angela? No, sadly not. I guess I'll keep having to fax him or something. I'll keep <laughs> keep sending him fax. Yeah. I mean, is it because is it because he just he just kind of became an American out of you know blue and like he's Canadian, but he just 
I feel like he he became American and he hasn't looked back. Yeah, that's a fair assessment, I think. Huh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's terrible. <laughs> I should go back. Uh, Rob, on your side of things, apart from an iPhone, like what's going on in your life uh, tech wise? Like, I don't want to hear about your like like personal issues. I just I, I'm here for the tech. That's it. Wait, wait. Before I forget, uh, Brian. Yes. Uh, Rob, what color iPhone 12 did you get? A black one. Okay, I thought I have I have my blue one, although it's in an orange case. But uh, yeah. uh, uh, black Ang for life, Angelo. Deal with it. Okay. I mean, okay. you know, you 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 uh, you get indoctrinated into that black T-shirt life. You don't turn back. It, it, it consumes <laughs> okay. you and everything you own. That's how it, does, it works. Oh, before I forget, something uh, related to that. Um, I and I don't know about you, Rob, but I bought my first concert ticket uh, last week, and I don't know how I feel about it because uh, uh, I'm not ready to. Re- I'm not ready to don a black T-shirt just yet. Yeah, that's fair. What what did you buy a ticket to? I'm gonna go see the the uh, uh, British metalcore band Architects in November. Mm. Mm, interesting, Angela. When are you? When uh, um, what would it take you to go see a show like in 2022? Like we've discussed this before. You haven't seen a show in years. Um, um, you're kind of a hermit. Yeah. All this uh, unmasking of uh, pandemic things. Uh, it's. Uh, it's gotten me more nervous than the pandemic itself, itself because now I actually have no excuses to say uh, no to things anymore. Um, let us head over to the Paramount section because Rob and I have a lot to talk about there and we want to pick your brain about a couple of things. Great. Hello? I'm a computer. I'm a computer guy. Everything made out of buttons and wires. Double density. Welcome back to Double Density. As always, we're switching gears from tech to the paranormal. So, Rob, you and I, when, when I mentioned at the beginning of the show, we make each other angry. Mm-hmm. We don't make each other angry with our statements. We make each other angry by sending things to each other that infuriates the other one. Yeah. Um, and um, I've kind of come to realize over the last couple of weeks, and this is something that Angelo might need to address, but we tend to deal with a lot of the meta about UFO Twitter, UAP Twitter, and the news, right? We're more of a, 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 a factual account of, like, things going on versus, like, um, what you do, which is like a deep dive into um, a, a case or a story or an angle. And I feel like we might need to recenter ourselves uh, because I've been doing a lot of thinking about this. Um, and this is a huge preamble um, to some of the the messes that you and I have shared with each other over the past week, Rob, which are just so, so stupid. Yeah. Um, UFO Twitter just seems to be like, don't get me wrong. There are great people on UFO Twitter. I've met a lot of great people using that hashtag. But I think the issue is that those people aren't amplified the way that these idiots that you and I trade exchanges about are. Right, right. So uh, the main issue with UFO Twitter this past week is sexism. And sexism is not a new thing in UFOs. Believe believe it or not, it, it goes back you know, decades. At, at Crazy talk. I don't believe yeah. this. Yeah. Um, but it all started. Blocked and reported. <laughs> yeah. It all started uh, last Tuesday uh, with a tweet from a guy named Matt Hurley at UFO Artwork who uh, said, quote, once UFO Twitter becomes filled with females posting selfies, you know, the subject has gone mainstream. And um, that right there is. If that doesn't make you want to punch somebody in the face, like <laughs> I, I've had this this subtle rage uh, brewing inside of me um, for for at least a week now. But um, of course, when it comes to sexist people, they always try to gaslight by claiming that it was a joke. And of course, his response was my seemingly lighthearted tweet, which uh, saying calling women females like 
are you kidding me, man? Oh, yeah, it was lighthearted. Uh, my seemingly lighthearted tweet has attracted some woke bollocks out <laughs> with the block. Like, <laughs> um, so first things first, um, and uh, you and I, Rob, as like terminal <laughs> Twitter users, um, mm-hmm. maybe less so Angela, but whenever someone makes a funny tweet, they then reply to that tweet, like they tweet thread it, letting you know that it was a joke. And to me, like, that's a good way of contextualizing a joke because the way that I also read it was just very um, sad and incelly. And just like not a joke in the least. It was a very serious comment to make. Yeah, it was uh, uh, definitely a serious comment to make. And like the things that came from it um, were equal parts good and equal parts garbage, uh, as you would expect with something like that. So what ended up happening uh, on uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, up until Louis Elizondo ruined it. Oh, I was going to get to that part, but yeah, we'll get to that. We'll get to that part. Don't, don't worry. Uh, But all of these women started to flood the hashtag UFO Twitter with selfies. It it was amazing. I was retweeting selfies all, all week, all week long. Um, if you want to get into the uh, Louis Elizondo stuff, go go right ahead. That man just angers me. So uh, the other day, Louis Elizondo also took a selfie and shared it. But the whole thing is that the shaming of women started by someone or a faction of the Internet, which uh, is very like, this is my sandbox. Women aren't allowed here. I'm a disclosure bro. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a ride or die here. Right. So the yep. whole idea of him then uh, uh, sharing a selfie um, was kind of like weird and counterintuitive. Uh, I was like saying it was like kind of like George W. Bush just sharing Pride Month stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very off kilter. Like, dude, you were president. <laughs> like, I, I, I grew up in your era. I became I, I became legally uh, able to drink in, in the Bush era. So, like, yeah. um, it was bad. And, and, and to do that, it's just like. It just doesn't, the optics are super weird, right? Like, instead of stepping in and being like, you know what, we need to be more inclusive, it's like, here's a selfie, everyone, ha, ha, ha. Right, like, and and he specifically said, uh, to show solidarity with uh, the guys and gals, it's like, no. No, no, What unity do the guys need need out there? That's borderline all lives matter garbage. Yes, (laughs) yes, Yes. literally, yes. Yes, absolutely. Uh, It was really great for two days watching all of these women just uh, posting selfies, like getting disclosure bros angry about it. And it's been co-opted by, you know, Louis Elizondo started it, but like the, it was so interesting to see all of these sexist dudes start railing against the idea of women posting selfies. And then all of a sudden Louis Elizondo does it. It's like, Oh yeah, let's, let's show solidarity. Like, at what point do you dis- like? At what point can I punch you in the face physically? I want to know because you have just earned that from me. You yeah. have just earned a punch in the face. I'm it's, silly. It's exhausting, that. and that's the thing too. Is that like uh, a lot of time here these days? We're definitely talking about the meta because I think it's the the more interesting thing to cover. And also, I think our strengths are in looking at the current events within the niches of um, you know the paranormal world. And like to watch that go down all week was very very infuriating because, like you were saying, like. You need to be part of the solution, not part of the problem here. And yeah. you're continually part of the problem, apart from all the other like weird, stupid stuff that you do, like that you go back and forth on, that you like we were talking last week about how he didn't want to like confirm or deny the existence of Majestic mm-hmm. 12. Right. Which he probably doesn't know about anyway. So why don't you say I don't know? Like it, you, the people like this don't say that enough. 
Exactly. Like, uh, does does uh, Louis Elizondo know anything about the Pratt tapes? Because if you knew about the Pratt tapes, you would know that MJ-12 is complete garbage. It was made up by go. Bill Moore and and Rick Doty. Like, Bill Pratt literally talked to these guys, and he had he he gathered notes on all of it. It's out there on the internet. Just look it up, man. I tweeted something about that earlier today. Like, oh, did you? I didn't. I've been on the internet all day. I've been yeah, busy purchasing White Claw. I uh, I sent out a, a tweet, a banger tweet that, uh, you know, is very not exciting or anything like that. I will uh, I'll have to reference it shortly. Angela, how do you feel about this? Well, when you start talking about MJ-12, it kind of shows how little you know about the subject. Mm-hmm. Right. Or if you start talking about how it's real or it. I think I mentioned this last week or was it in the episode with Chris where I was saying it, a lot of these people are showing what level they're at yes. in terms of the research and what they know about UFOs. You can see that they've come to it like just now and are just discovering, oh, wow, is this real? And and then not doing the research. Whereas it's it's stuff we've realized was not real like 25 years ago. Yeah. Like, right. Like the, the level of like the amount of people who still buy into the Bob Lazar story, for example, like are there some oddities in it? For sure. But the overall narrative and the facts remain that you, we can't find any uh, Lazar classmates. We can't find any Lazar coworkers, like direct coworkers. There's like one dude who also worked at S4 and was like, yeah, I saw him like one time, but I don't know what he did. And like, that's the level rat with Lazar. Right. Right. Uh, my, my tweet, uh, says, uh, if you find yourself interested in the idea of MJ-12, uh, it says if MJ-12, uh, because autocorrect, but uh, please familiarize yourself with the Pratt tapes. I remember Jeremy Fournames when he would talk about <laughs> uh, the Bob Lazar documentary. He's like, you know, people are coming to this story for the first time. Like, great. At the same time, then those people should be coming to the story of Paul Benowitz. Those people should be coming to the story of Rick Toady. Those people yeah, should be coming yeah. to the story of all the disinformation that AFOSI decided to throw into the mix in the 1980s, the 1990s. And I mean, we've we've had MJ-12 documents still coming out uh, as as uh, just like a few years ago. I think 2018 yeah. or something like that. You have. You know, Linda Moulton Howe, uh, when she was on um, Hangar 1, they literally did an episode about the Psalm 101 manual, which is, you know, uh, uh, Majestic 12's, you know, manual for dealing with aliens, recovering bodies and, and all this stuff. And, and, and what I loved about that episode is they they brought on the one guy that did claim to recover alien bodies, uh, alien bodies. Um, um, what the heck is his name? Uh, Clifford Stone. And Stone was like, no, this isn't like any manual I've ever seen before. So I'm like, <laughs> if the one guy who says I recovered alien bodies for a living for the government says, no, it ain't real. I trust him on that. <laughs> I don't trust him on much else, but I'll trust him on that issue. <laughs> it's funny that you bring up Linda Moulton Howe because I was, I was just thinking about her this week in terms of like, where did she jump the shark? Like at one point, right? Because she in the early 80s did a strange harvest which to me is like a very interesting document in time mm-hmm. and we covered it I made my wife I forced my wife into watching it last year and like well it just doesn't necessarily like stand up to like modern standards it's still an interesting document but then to descend 
um, into uh, the madness that is uh, trying to make a living of this, right? Like, I, well, I, I was trying to figure out like what incident or what point did she really cross the line with me? And was it the the cattle mutilations? That was so. That was the strange harvest one, right? So yeah. beyond that, like she put together a really interesting kind of like expose on like different people who've um, witnessed things and like have have had animals like uh, like mutilated things, and that's that's fine. And the, I, I feel like she did some really good journalistic work there. But like like George Knapp, I feel like there's a point where the both of them have jumped their respective. Um, um, sharks on there and I, it, 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 to descend into a place where like you know that you can make money from a subset of society but uh, at what cost right and the thing is I often wonder about journalistic integrity versus a lot of this because you were bringing up people like Jeremy Fornames right which to me what is his integrity level like zero point one uh, like nothing I, right right uh, right now I am reading uh, Bud Hopkins missing time and and the thing is is like I've always had this um, there's always been something about Bud Hopkins that just like gets under my skin and it, and it's the idea that he's this like a uh, bohemian artist coming into a field that doesn't, that he feels like doesn't deserve his time. So it's like, <laughs> I am the savior of alien abductions. I am right. here. And I, I, I once got a one star review from someone in Canada when I bashed Bud Hopkins on, I believe it was the uh, Gulf breeze episodes that I did with uh, Sam and Jason from not alone. And it's like, have you ever read the guy like like one of my favorite passages in the book is like uh, there's this like little story about this old couple that were going to bed and they looked out their window and they saw this ufo just hovering there and instead of freaking out about it they're just like well nope we're gonna go into the living room and talk for a while and just like you know <laughs> go on with our lives That's what you do and they went back into their bedroom what do you know it's still there they did this three times before the ufo left and they went to bed but the great thing right after it is uh donald uh Barthelmay. He was a friend of <laughs> Bud Hopkins, and uh, he mentioned how he told him is like uh, because there's this uh, really infamous article that uh, Bud Hopkins wrote for the Village Voice about the um, North Hudson Park yes um, yes uh, incident, and uh, Donald Barthelmay was like, "I wish I hadn't read it." <laughs> and he's like, "I know what he meant." I'm like, "Do you really know what he meant, Bud? Do you?" <laughs> But uh, for for Linda Bolton Howe and like the the way that I understand her encounter with Rick Doty in the eighties after a Strange Harvest came out and uh, the uh, well because yeah you know, she was instrumental in sort of like uh, and like working a lot of these angles too right like that's the thing yeah. is that like that's the point where I'm like okay like what are you up to there in those specific instances I definitely think that that encounter with. Rick Doty, the AFOSI, them coming in and saying, we will pay money. We will, we will, fund, you know, secure you the money to make this documentary that you're going to make because she was going to make a follow up. Uh, I don't remember exactly what it was on, but she had uh, secured another deal with HBO. And then Rick Doty basically come in, came in and said, we're going to give you the resources to do this. And then they pulled out. And it seemed like after that, that's when she really went off the deep end because yeah. at the time that a strange harvest came out, uh, the, she was dabbling in this, right? Like she was yeah. an investigative reporter who did a variety of subjects and then just happened upon this and, uh, won awards. Like she won a local Emmy for it. And like, there's a mm -hmm. lot of like really interesting stuff in there. And like, once again, like I'm not taking away from that specific piece of work. Cause I feel like she did do her due diligence in terms of like 
following the threads to their logical conclusions and kind of like summarizing it in a proper way. But after that, when you begin to see, like, I hate to say this, but like, like grifting slash like UFO activist mm-hmm. style of, of reporting, especially like as that carries through, um, you know, she was on dreamland and coast to coast AM for years and years, both with Art Bell and George Norrie. Like there's just a through line here that you begin to see of like self-preservation and keeping yourself um, in those circles and having to generate content for those circles. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, when you are researching this subject and you are making friends and you are uh, seeing how people interact on social media, you can figure out which ones are in it for the subject and which ones are in it for the money. Yeah, And there are people that I am friends with that it is very easy to tell that they're in it for the money. Their, their heart might be in the right place, but their their mind is also on other things that are not exactly savory, that are, um, you know, uh, definitely uh, about, you know, uh, pu- furthering along their career. So basically. what we're going to do here, Rob, is we're going to gate this content, right? So at this point, uh, when you want to start naming names, patreon.com slash double density, and we're going to yeah. drop the, <laughs> the bonus content there of, like, you <laughs> listing off um, yeah. names. But I, I do agree that, like, there is, and we've talked about this, like, there is a financial aspect to all of this, right? And mm-hmm. the question is, like, how do you generate your, your revenue is through... Um, continuing um, uh, to bolster a lot of claims, like um, Joe Nickel of the Skeptical Inquirer called her uh, like a like a credulous investigator or something, and like, and I really really like that line because he's written some really or, or has had articles that have been turned into books, like the Real Life X Files, and like he's done a like really interesting work. So for him, like I more so invest myself in him because it's clear that he is in pursuit of of ideals versus where his money's going to come from. Yeah, exactly. Uh, pursuing a subject regardless of money, which I get it. If you want to make a career out of this, which some people do, there are some people that uh, appear on, you know, TV shows all the time, you know, uh, but uh, getting those sponsorship deals, getting those, um, you know, uh, appearances at uh, certain cons and stuff to, to speak and stuff like that. It's just, when does it stop becoming about the subject and when does it really become career oriented? And at what point do you start compromising your integrity as someone who researches this stuff, as someone who puts content out to uh, the regular listener, the regular reader and stuff like that? Yeah, Uh, exactly. I I think the biggest uh, example of that right now um, of course, I'm gonna forget his name for for <laughs> just a second, but I'll. Well, here, um, well I well, oh, you it's, vamp, uh, I'm gonna. It's uh, Kevin Randall. Uh, Kevin oh, yeah. Randall's latest book, UFOs in the Deep State. Get yeah. the f- out of here. Get just just stop. Like, I have I have read Richard Dolan's work, and I I appreciate like uh, his exhaustive work in uh you know putting together a, a really compelling timeline with uh, UFOs in the national security state and i get it there are very interesting parallels between UFOs and what happened to our military uh following that because it, it's very strange to look at you know the modern UFO sighting and the founding of the uh, military industrial complex of yeah. the United States at the same time. Well, I've, I've made the joke before, right? That like, you know, a lot of this technology is because of Roswell. And, and and while it is a joke, I do believe there is some kind of truth in there. And then some people argue, well, you know, we had money for the war and then we, we redirected it into to technology um, post-World War II. But like, there's like a weird, uneasy feeling I have that like, it doesn't seem on the up and up. Now. I, like, and once again, like I can't, uh, you know, 
objectively prove this, but it's just a feeling I have that I I tend to err on that side. That, like it's very interesting, like microwave technology, right? Post World War II, right after World War II, but where did that come from? You know, like there's just a lot of that going on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I mean, like we did make a lot of technological leaps. Uh, we could also look at you know things like Operation Paperclip and the scientists that came over, and and, and we can all wonder at what uh, you know all the projects that they were working on was uh, uh, because there was really you know one uh, face of of Project Paperclip or Operation Paperclip. Um, uh, what's his name that when it ended up working for NASA? God, I'm terrible. Oh with yeah, names. here Werner. Yeah, yeah. He like became the face of the space program and he worked for the Nazis and, and, and they definitely, you know, I'm not going to cast aspersions on the guy and say that, you know, he wasn't forced to work for, you know, the Nazis, but at the same time, how am I supposed to know? Exactly. Yeah. There's, there's a lot there that like is left um, unsaid either way. Right. So Mm -hmm. that's the things like I'm, there are things you could say like post an event that make you look better in a certain light, right? So it's always just kind of hard for me to sort of like, unless I hear someone in the middle of something say something specific, it is it is hard for me to judge. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you you want to keep an open mind because like this is a very open minded subject. Uh, yeah, you you kind of have to keep somewhat of an open mind unless you're um, Angelo. Uh, class over here and uh you know you're 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 locking it up and um people's iphones aren't good enough to to take uh (laughs) photos and videos of of ufos but the idea here is that if you go online and you look at the the podcasts the uh youtube channels and such that are coming to this subject for the first time the subject that they're coming to is one that does not exist past 2004. It, yeah. it is literally Tic Tacs, military encounters, and... Um, which, are, which are decades old. Like, this is nothing yeah. new. Like, just the fact no. that we have video, fine. But the thing is, like, there have been reports like, right. like that you can access through... You know, um, yeah. What is in the states? Like it's ATIP in Canada, but why am I not remembering this? Like access to information in the states. What is it like? Uh, why am I drawing freedom of information? There we go, freedom yeah, of information stuff that you can you can definitely like. And you know, for better for worse, like the Black Vault does that quite well. Which yeah. is another which we won't get into because that's a whole other. Uh, that is a uh, whole other can of can of worms that that nobody wants to get into. But it seems like like people are going back as far as to the point where uh, Luis Elizondo was working for the government. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like like in the mid two thousands. Right. Yeah, it, with with him, I'm I'm starting to wonder that he jumped that shark really fast. Uh, yeah, of course. Like aligning aligning yourself with with uh, Tom DeLonge, like right at the outset, and now like recently being on uh, what's that idiot's show? There's a ton. Of, I mean, he's been on a ton of podcasts in the last couple of weeks. Oh yeah, the the the, the idiot with the bow tie. The idiot. But I oh, Giuliani. Can't think of it. No, <laughs> Giuliani, but the, the dummy on Fox. Oh, okay. Tucker Carlson. Yes. He right? doesn't like have he the bow tie anymore. Show. Like uh, John uh, Stewart, uh, the, when he went on, uh, what was it, Crossfire, Crossfire back there. in the yeah, day? Was great. Like he never wore a bow tie after that, which was great because like the, the man <laughs> did need to get cut down and he still needs to be cut down. And, oh, no, a lot. And that's part of the problem with the mainstream media coverage of this. And I got sliced uh, because of the 
uh, interview I did with Mike DeMonte in 2018 because I literally asked him, what do you think about the fact that Fox News is basically carrying the major TV coverage of this? Yeah. You know, the New York Times, it's great that stuff's appearing in the New York Times, but, but we, let's we be honest. In, in, with Chris and things like those reporters, if you do a quick search, have a very clear bias towards the subject matter too, right? Yeah. Yes. Um, Leslie Keen yep. totally has. Uh, Ralph Lumenthal, uh, probably a little more skeptical, but uh, absolutely. I mean, he just published a great biography of John Mack. So, like, he definitely has his biases. I, I would say there are biases coming to the table. So, objective journalism, maybe not so much there. But uh, again, it was, I would say it was probably a really objective piece, um, yeah. you know, through and through, it, it, especially because it didn't mention anything about Tom DeLonge or To the Stars Academy or no. or anything like that. It's, it strictly went into the, uh, the, uh, a AATIP and and what they looked into and Louis Elizondo and uh you know in a separate story they covered the David Fravor incident which to be honest I am tired of hearing about David Fravor it's great <laughs> that additional eyewitnesses have come forward but it's just like we have these three or four cases and that's it yeah that's and that's, all that's, we that's have. the entirety of the subject right and that's mm-hmm. and that is something that we talked about a couple weeks ago where I was talking about how a lot of this military stuff felt like very mainstream stuff and to parallel like all of the more organic incidents that have happened in the last, like, let's say modern ufology, right? So let's say the last, like, like 80 years, mm-hmm. more or less, give or take. I feel like that is being disregarded a lot of the time in favor of these specific kinds of incidents that fit a narrative. Yes, yes. Uh, and it's a very safe narrative, if, if I'm being frank, uh, especially when you get into the scope of what UFOs have been for the last 70 plus years. It hasn't just been, and and don't get me wrong, a, a lot of the you know coverage of UFOs are something that is seen relatively quickly passing through in the sky, and that's it. It's a relatively small sect of people that say, okay, I got a pretty close-up view of this thing, and I saw some people inside, or uh, I... I you know, I got a really close up view and there were these people outside and they, then they had me come on their craft and, and stuff like that. And I get how crackpot, you know, that can seem, but you can't exclude part of your, um, part of your MO to make it more palatable to people that yeah. are going to be rather shocked when they go into, uh, these cases and they find all of this extra stuff that you did not prepare them for. Yeah, it's exactly. great. Yeah. It's great that, you know, military uh, people are having encounters with this stuff, but like it is beyond the military. There are civilian pilots, you know, flying uh, for various, you know, uh, air companies that have had uh, numerous encounters. There are, it's funny you say that because I'm just thinking to the fact that like Angela and I've talked about like trained observers, right? And so like while military pilots obviously are trained observers, there are a ton of civilian ones that we should also just consider too at the same time, right? And it's just, yeah. to me, to disregard and filter out a lot of like what has been um, um, explored in the last 80 years in favor of talking about these these specific incidents that like the evidence, even the, the video evidence, I'm kind of like a little so-so on due to the quality of the video. And like mm-hmm. the thing is that like there's a lot Going on there that like while well, at the outset like it seems pretty definitive once you really start and think about this like the this submergence and the reemergence and the way that like uh, the Corbell video that emerged of the the more recent like the Navy one and like to me could be anything and the fact that it's shot in a cell phone showing um, a screen too is like a little weird to me too. 
of of the twenty first century stuff that these military radar sightings are pretty boring, right? Mm. There's nothing much happening. Of the 21st century, like nobody talks anymore about the interesting thing that happened at O'Hare Airport yeah. or the yeah. Stevensville UFO. Yeah. Like yeah. those those are two of the more interesting mm-hmm. 21st century UFO encounters. Absolutely. I was going to say O'Hare I before, mean, yeah. Yeah. yeah I, like a lot of witnesses said they saw something go and shoot through the, the clouds and leave a hole punched in the clouds. Yeah. Which pretty cool. I mean, nothing holds a candle to the vaguely Italian aliens that left a pancake for somebody. Listen, no, <laughs> like we all want that Joe Simonton life. We all want, you know, those vaguely Italian looking aliens that know how to make a decent crepe, you know, stopping by with their uh, very high tech griddle for the time. Yeah. And, and you know, just we say this it. jokingly. Yeah. Like we say this jokingly, but a lot of these people reporting on UFOs now have never heard of this. No. Or, they they start in 2004, like you said, Rob. Or, like so, they, yeah. One of the, the the cases that Rob, I know, is your favorite and that Angela and I point to is like one that like makes sense is the Lonnie Zamora incident, right? Mm-hmm. To me, that is something that happened in the 1960s that like there's there's physical evidence. There is a trustworthy witness. There's a lot there to mm-hmm. dig through. And I never hear certain people talk about those problems. about it. Yeah. They don't know about it. Like, I I would, you know what? Like, Luis Elizondo, like, whatever, he's, like, the face of this at this point. I would not be shocked if he didn't know even, like, half as much as, like, either of you guys know about UFOs. And, Probably and the not. the history behind it. Uh, because but he has no he use seems, for it. He has no use for it because, no, once again, no. like, and I hate to say this, but, like, let's be honest, seems like a grift. And we say that word a lot here, but I don't yeah. care because I'm getting uh, angrier by the week because... We were joking about the selfie thing, but like I think it's really emblematic of the space that we're in that we can't seem to leave. Like you were, uh, I think it was you, Rob, who's tweeting about like the idea of like uh, women in MUFON and how like they were harassed, right? Like just there's so yeah. much there. Yeah, um, it, it was like a few years ago. Erica Lukes she announced that she was departing um, uh, MUFON. She was the um, state director of Utah at the time, I do believe, and she acknowledged that there. Part of the reason that she left was the sexism involved in it. Like, and and the funny thing is, is that if you go and you look at um, the Mufon UFO Journal, and I shared this on on Twitter the other day for like, uh, I think it's like January two thousand eight. There is a feature of women in ufology, and like you motherfuckers, <laughs> like <laughs> you're kidding me, right? You're kidding me. But like, the the, the to get back to that point. The, the thing that enraged me is the amount of guys that are willing to downplay this and come up with the gaslighting excuses that they do. I saw people saying, well, this isn't a big enough issue in this uh, hashtag, so I don't think we should address it. And then you've got other people who are saying, I just don't see it at all. So uh, th- this, isn't a, this isn't a thing. And then you've got other people accusing others of tone policing. I'm sorry, tone policing? When you yeah, call... That's, that's, with, that was, that yeah. was a, well, outside the box. Brian said it well before, where there's like a bit of an incel thing going on here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, that, it's pretty clear. Yeah, very much. And uh, I mean, this goes back to the fact that throughout the history uh, of the, 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 the study of this subject, 99.99% of the people doing it are white cis dudes. Yep. It's always mm-hmm. been white cis dudes. And while there have been great uh, accomplishments by those people, if we're not including diverse voices in this subject, we're excluding so many different viewpoints and so many different thoughts 
that uh, there are things that we are missing. Uh, There's a a good point. It's you like people with different experiences, backgrounds bring their Mm -hmm. lived experiences to these cases and to being able to interview witnesses and like dissect evidence in a way that like, like I, I necessarily couldn't, or you necessarily couldn't, or even Angelo couldn't, even though that Angelo is probably the closest of the three of us to being an insult. Let's be honest. Right. Um, <laughs> one of the one of the things that Angelo's <laughs> married and has kids, like he clearly is yeah. not an insult. We, we literally talked about Father's Day. Though before. you right. are recording in a basement, just as an FYI, just yeah. throwing that there. That's in fair. A basement, but like it, it's it's like a finished basement, mm, and yeah. it's not in my parents' house. <laughs> Sorry, Rob. Go ahead. It's, but but like uh, for instance, uh, one of the things that always bothered me was that you rarely ever hear of UFO sightings out of Africa. Like, yep. why do we never hear about UFO sightings out of Africa? There's the aerial school landing and like that, which to pretty- me is like, like one of the biggest and most interesting. And like the number of witnesses, yeah. the, like everything involved in that is very like, uh, once again, like it's one of these cases that you don't necessarily hear about yeah, um, mm-hmm. from these disclosure bros, but even yeah, though, like the human kids- element is there. Yeah, those kids obviously like look. Kids, you can't trust them for anything. But all of those kids obviously saw something. Right. What was it? Who knows? Because right. kids, kids in terms of reliable witnesses, kids are the worst. But the mass but still, of kids. But a massive exactly, amount of they kids, saw something. Yeah. Like I can't. I can't dispute a massive amount of children that uh, come forward with relatively the same narrative. I, yeah. I, I can't. And like, you can't tell me that kids coordinated that well between no way. different. No kids cannot coordinate anything. No, they anything. can't coordinate anything. Kid, so like teachers line them up and said, kids today, we're going to, yeah. <laughs> we're going to doctor a UFO setting. Yeah. yeah. But one of the things that they talked about in that case is that they literally thought it was like this, like goblin gremlin thing from their culture that they believed was going to capture them, or at least some of them said that. So I started to, you know, research uh, some of the cases from Africa and you know, the UFO cases that get reported, do you know who they're reported by? White dudes, a lot of white dudes. The one case that really fascinated me was this case at at a a place, I I believe it's uh, in Zimbabwe called La Rochelle. La Rochelle is this uh, estate that was built by white people uh, that was uh, eventually given back to the country. So they had, uh, you know, hired some people to maintain this property. And one of them was a guy named Clifford Muchena. And uh, on this one evening, it was it was like probably about five, six o'clock at night, um, the... Um, the people that were there maintaining the property, uh, they they thought the place was on fire. And when they went to go inspect it, they saw this rolling ball of light that was like climbing up the walls and into windows. And this guy, Clifford Muchena, he uh, he, you know, rushes into action. He was actually off shift at the time. And he goes in and he and he looks up into this tower and he sees like, oh, my God, this is on fire. He comes around a corner and he sees like these very strange looking beings. They were pretty tall. They um, they were almost like hard to describe. They were kind of just like you couldn't make out distinct features. They were almost like um, wearing a, a coverall that covered their entire body. But like he was going to go and get uh, a fire hose. And that's when he saw this ball of light roll out the window and, and out, and it later disappeared. And when Cynthia Hind went to go interview uh, Clifford, and Cynthia Hind was like the main investigator behind the aerial school landing, he basically said, oh, I thought it was 
you know, ancestors from my past. So they don't even associate it with UFOs. Which is interesting due to, like, we were just discussing the fact that, like, different perspectives bring, yeah. um, you know, uh, different points of view and look at the evidence differently, right? So to me, like, a multitude of that is much more interesting. And um, I'm a huge fan of, like, being able to talk about different kinds of evidence and then having the best idea or the best hypothesis when the only way you can get that is with a diversity of voices. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then um, just, uh, just to, like, uh, further that point, I was... Um, uh, yesterday I just, I woke up at like two 30 in the morning, couldn't get back to sleep. So I'm like, all right, I'll just open up some random, uh, issue of flying saucer review. So I did that. And there was this article about these, uh, very strange looking beings that were being seen at the same time that the Chupacabra sightings were happening in Puerto Rico. And the thing was, is, is that, um, they look like grays. They, they, they look a lot like grays, but, um, I started to research this a little more and there was a guy that started following me like that same day and he started tweeting to me. He's like, uh, yeah, these aren't anything new. These go back to like the 1800s, 1900s. Like these, these things have been seen, you know, for a long time. And he's like, the people that are seeing them today, they just call them El Nino. And like, they just have random encounters with them on the streets of Puerto Rico all the time. He's like, he tweeted me a picture of like uh, art uh, of these aliens that these people keep seeing. So it's like, I've heard the Chupacabra thing covered so many times. And just from opening up an issue of flying saucer review, I, I, I realized that most people got it wrong. Just right. Just right there. Because right. like either they didn't have access to the resources or uh, those resources, resources just weren't easy to find. And I think this points to the larger thing of like, you need, we we as like people with an interest need to be inclusive. And I think yes. that like stuff like this creates exclusivity, like ugh, whatever mm-hmm. just, <laughs> it does. And that exclusivity gives credence to certain sightings, uh, you know, over uh, uh, in certain situations where they should be debunked just rather easily, uh, you know, NJ 12 included within that. Like we know, that MJ-12 is, it's, it's false. Like it's been investigated numerous times. The Pratt tapes are out there. Uh, there's literally 60 pages of documents, notes that Pratt made when he was talking to them from the Wayback machine that you could go read. And yep. it's a, and the thing is, is like Pratt talked to him, talked to them before the MJ-12 stuff even came out. So yeah, there's a, there's a lot Verifiable. of credence to that. The The takeaway here is that, UFO history doesn't start in the 21st century. No. There's stuff going back even to the 19th century, 18th century. Like, right, was it at the turn of the 20th century where they kept seeing airships? Yeah. Right? Yeah. And there was one that crashed, I think, in Texas, I want to say. Yeah. So, like, even then, there were stories of crash things. And back then, Mm -hmm. something in the sky wasn't like in 1947 with Roswell, where, you know, something, there there were things flying in the sky anyway that humans put up there. But at the beginning of the 20th century, that wasn't the case. No. So, that was a lot more strange to the people back then, right? Like, were, were blimps even invented at that point? No, Not they really, were right? on the cusp of it. They were like right around the corner. So, and I mean, back then they interpreted them as, okay, this is some new type of America, uh, the technology that the Americans were working on. 
the inventor will just come forward and 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 show that you know this I'm responsible for this this uh, this is what I've been working on and such never happened. No, that's that's I think the the biggest takeaway of what we've been talking about is like is that that's it. People need to do their their research. Yeah, exactly. They yeah. need to go back and yeah. figure things out. And also out. just listen to more people in general and speak to more people. Yeah, not, yeah, like, not like, look, Luis Elizondo doesn't have like your best UFO interests in mind, right? No. <laughs> He's got his own. He wants to be on TV. He's getting prepped to like write a book, a mm-hmm. tell-all book about everything he's done. This is why he's doing this. The right? He's not. Yeah, I, yeah. you know, we wanted, we wanted to like believe that this guy really had something but i think he's been working on this for years you know he got into the military he's like i love ufos let me get involved in this and now he's gonna make a business out of it yeah mm-hmm. i mean he already has really yeah. yeah i mean is it lucrative yet not really i mean listen he but, got paid to be on tv right so yeah that's true that's something right it's better than nothing so looking from the so, past to the future i um just the last thing i want to end on um it is a reddit thread i linked to rob early this week which made me laugh yes. angela i'm gonna read you the title i'm gonna read you the yeah title. okay please and uh, so just keep in mind, we we're recording on June 20th. Purportedly, the U.S. government's report about all of this comes out on the 25th. Around there should be. Um, so the name of the Reddit thread is, A lot of you will get a post-report depression. Please take care of yourselves. Yeah. Huh. Uh, reading this subreddit lately, it's clear how many of you are super hyped about the release of the upcoming report. Most likely, we will get nothing, and a lot of you will be bummed out. Maybe not even explicitly, not even like a big sigh when reading the report, but the days and weeks after, you might feel down, empathetic, empty, like something huge and important in your life doesn't come to fruition at all. You might not even connect it to the report. It might be really sneaky and a heavy type of disappointment. Just be aware, folks, and take care. Is this the UFO Reddit? It sure is this UFO yes. subreddit, Angelo. Uh, which yep. has, yep. so this post at this point has uh, over 1,900 upvotes and a uh, number of uh, Reddit gifts attached to it. So, congrats. Yeah, and I, I think this once again points to the idea of uh, the event diagram of um, of Disclosure Bros and Joe Rogan fans. Kind of, he's like, another problem, right? Like like, has Elizondo been on his podcast yet? I can't remember. Has he? I can. Uh, whose podcast? Joe Rogan. Hold Joe on. Rogan's. Let me double check. Uh, no, he has no. Not. But they've talked about it with other people. Yes. Yeah. I mean, wasn't DeLong on there? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. DeLong was on there. Um, Fravor was on there. Valet was on there. Yeah. Um, there's There's been a lot of people in the last couple of years from the UFO world that have been on there. And I mean, like, look at Jacques Valet right now. He literally published a book. Uh, uh, well, co-wrote a book uh, Trinity, that just right? came Is out. That yeah, about the, yeah, okay. the Trinity crash. Yet. And it's just yeah. like, uh, hasn't this been debunked? Hasn't, <laughs> like, what, what what are we doing? Like, I remember uh, when that was announced that uh, there were so many people on Twitter saying, what are you doing, Valet? Like, like seriously. There's a few crashes that have been debunked, too. Right? Wasn't there another one in 1950? I just can't remember the name. There's but. there's a lot of them. The Aztec crash of 48. The Aztec one is the yeah. one I'm thinking about. Yeah. But, like. The idea of UFO crashes became this like really hot thing in the 80s when um, not only, you know, Stanton Friedman, Bill Moore, they were looking at the Roswell thing. But Leonard Stringfield just like went with that and ran because he would do these um, like updates about UFO crashes that he had heard about. You could go onto Audible right now and you can find a number of those uh, lectures that he gave at uh, different UFO symposiums and stuff about crashed uh, UFOs that he had heard of all across the country. Yeah, and there was that show on Fox, too, that loved to talk about UFOs. I just can't remember the title, but... (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. Encounters, I want to say. Oh, I thought you were making up a joke about the X-Files. No, I, it, was, that's why it was, was actually. Laughing. I was like, are you actually making this? Very, no, it was very... actually on before the X Files, and the X Files took its slot. Uh, like, I could um, use the power I of the internet to find out. Barely, Please. I barely remember it. Oh, it was a summer replacement series from. Yes, yes, I yeah. know exactly what you're talking about now. Yep. Yeah, yeah. It was, yeah, I mean, I was I was young, so you guys were not like very old. Well, we, we were around. Yeah. But, I mean, like, listen, I was. And, not. and I think it was actually before we had Fox in Canada because I remember seeing it at my cousin's house. Uh, in the U.S. Yes, that's correct. It is a. It never aired here in, in Canada um, originally. But, what was it called? Encounters. It's was kind it of, right? Yeah, it was Encounters: The Hidden Truth, an hour-long TV yeah. series that featured real-life stories of paranormal phenomena, which yeah. aired. So. Um, yeah, three different seasons uh, starting in '94. Yeah, look at that. Um, so yeah, I was just, I, you know, it's funny to see this thread because, yeah, of course, like anyone who uh, objectively like is like looking at any of this will understand that like that government report will say nothing because that is. No, like that is not the avenue by which you will get full disclosure or any right. kind of disclosure. It's it's always going to be a situation in which they say, well, it's not our technology. It's not something that the U.S. government has. But it's not aliens, but we can't rule out aliens and we can't really rule out that it is another government that's behind it. So here's this like area that you can play in for a while. And it's the same area that Lou, Lou Elizondo says every time he says, uh, I cannot confirm or deny that. Uh, I can't confirm that. It, it's literally the same playground that's going to fuel all this crap. And and to be honest, I think the only people that are going to benefit from this report is the U.S. military, because what they're going to see is, hey, there's some things in the sky. Maybe we should consider upping that budget just a little yep. bit more. That's what it's going to come down yep, to. Yep, absolutely. I wonder if it all come down to that, like that's it, they've created everything mm-hmm. just to get a, little, a bit more money. Well, I, that's the point I've made before. Like, yeah, and I made that like that's the, one of the more believable angles to this, I think, or theories to this is that like, how do you up a defense budget without creating uh, an enemy out of a state that can attack you? It's by creating another kind of issue. Right. Um, and that's something that, yeah, Brian and I have gone back and forth in, in text messages and stuff like that, because there are like periods of time that you can look at and say, well, it would make sense that UFO sightings or at least mainstream UFO sightings are down. The military budget's at an all time high because we're in a decades long war in Iraq. What do they need more money for? They have it. So uh, it's kind of interesting to see when these sightings come about, because like there are a lot of them post 1980 that I'm starting to question in my mind as to the, the validity, could they have been orchestrated by the government? And I think the, the main one uh, uh, that uh, has like definitely switched my thinking on it is the Phoenix lights. Huh? I'm definitely behind the idea that that was a military operation. The thing that bugs me the most about the Phoenix Lights is everybody points to those flares and stuff, and that was not the that was actual a separate Phoenix thing. Lights. Yeah, that was a separate. That was internet, a totally yeah. separate thing. The Phoenix right. Lights were this, uh, and we don't hear enough about triangle-shaped UFOs anymore. Right. But it was one of the best explanations I heard was actually somebody in the Paracast forums at one point posting about this, talking about how it was very likely several planes flying in formation. And they're able to keep a pretty tight formation, mm-hmm. more so than one would believe. Yeah. Because people always point, oh, planes can't keep that. No, they're, they're, it's their job to keep formation or they die, right? Like in, yeah. in certain situations. So that's what it was, more likely than not. And 
again, that's another time. That's another thing that so many people saw it, but there's no video, no pictures, nothing. Right. right? There were camcorders back then. We have the snowboards yeah. in Canada, right? And they're they're yeah. aerial uh, military uh, acrobatics, right? So like right. to me, that doesn't seem like so far off base. Yeah, exactly. the, to me, the you know, in thinking about it, the the folks that uh, the the military planes that had to have been flown in in the Phoenix Lights, they had to be like to, a top elite unit. Had to be. Mm-hmm. There's no other way because I mean, you're you're talking about a, a group of uh, pilots that are flying at night, so yeah. like they have to be you know top of their game for yep, something absolutely. like that. Absolutely, Rob. Uh, I feel like. Th- we could go on for hours. It's already been an hour and a half. And I don't mean that mm-hmm. like demeaningly. I mean that like we, we definitely um, uh, could talk for a couple hours though. Angela looks like he's falling asleep and that's fine. Yeah. No, uh, okay. I'm okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, as always, it's been a pleasure to have you on. Where can people find you on the internet? Uh, if you want to get in contact with me, the best place to do it is on Twitter. I am at your UFO guy spelled Y E R UFO guy. Uh, you could tweet me. You can get upset with me. I'm going to send them read- a selfie. Yeah, you can send me a selfie. Go, go right ahead. I'll, 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 I'll retweet that. No problem. Send me well, selfies. One of my favorite things about following Rob on the internet is that he, on specifically on Twitter, has like threads of like like random bits of information that he's found from various cases, and I love that kind of stuff that like I've never known about. And he'll drop info just randomly like that, and it's yeah. like this is super fascinating. I didn't know anything about this, and you do that on a regular basis, which I really, really enjoy. So please, by all means, um, continue doing that. <laughs> Yeah, uh, if you want random tidbits about a case that you have never heard of, that, that like, has never even thought about crossing your mind, uh, follow me because I, I post them on the time. I will li- I will literally – there is a great website for uh, anybody that is interested in this subject and you want the, the nitty-gritty, the, the fine – uh, small cases that you've never heard of, go to SaturdayNightEuphoria.com, click on their library, click on the UFO specialties publications, and just scroll down till you see like APRO Bulletin, Flying Sauce Review. There's tons of them. If you go looking in there, you will get the f- whole breadth of what UFOs are. So, and they're, I think they're in PDF format too, right? Like, yes, they're yeah, all yeah, in yeah. PDF format. Uh, you can, the, the funny thing is, is if, if you really want to, you can uh, buy a CD-ROM of all these uh, from FSR. Oh, CD-ROM. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. Steven Greer has a CD-ROM on his website. Yeah, he does. Um, that's how you know you can't trust him. Don't give him, <laughs> don't give him three to $4,000 to go out into the desert to look for UFOs. Don't please. spend $13 on his app. No. And look, I'm not saying this just because you're a friend and a guest on the show, but I don't know of anybody more knowledgeable on UFO cases than you. Right? I can't think also, of anybody. Also, really. uh, uh, Rob Christopherson, grift free. Grift yes. free. Grift yes. free. That's the thing. He's going to drop knowledge on Twitter for free. Yes. And tell you about it. And you can listen to his amazing podcast yeah. for free. I, and that's yes. the thing, too, is that like no one can reproach you with any of that, right? Like you're not out here shilling. You're not out here using your podcast or your presence as a platform to, towards becoming a personality necessarily either. Like were that to happen organically, sure, but you're that is not your goal. And that's something that I've always enjoyed in um, all of the content, all the research, all the tweets that you put out related to anything even remotely uh, paranormal. Uh, speaking is just your your joint interest and i think it's infectious when i see it i want to sit down with all the pdfs of fsr that i have sitting on my hard drive and like look through them slowly but surely now you also want to talk to us about your hot sauce (laughs) (laughs) wow i didn't i didn't see that coming that's (laughs) amazing Uh, amazing no comment no no i'm not i'm not i can't i can't (laughs) Okay.
But no, you're not here to shill hot sauce. You no. just drop UFO knowledge on us. Yeah. Um, one of the one of my favorite cases. Like I know we're wrapping this up, but just to say, one of my favorite cases you ever brought to my attention was the Pascagoula one with the crab armed. Uh, were they crab armed? Right. Like they the, had the, um, uh, the kind of like crab claws. But w- what's interesting is if you go and you read uh, Charles Hickson's book. He talks about like them not having crab claws, but it like looks like a mitten almost, like a really big mitten. But like, yeah, most of them say that they have like crab claws. And and look, so just little tidbits like that. Mm-hmm. Um, these uh, current UFO bros whose knowledge starts in the 21st century have nothing on you. I appreciate it, uh, gentlemen. Uh, I appreciate all the hype, all the love. Um, you know, hot sauce coming at you. Uh, just, uh, just throw it all over everything. Now, like, I, I'm not here to to grift anybody. I, and this is the full honest truth. Even when I had a decent amount of people on uh, the, that were giving me money on Patreon, I lost money on that podcast every single month. I'm not here for uh, money. I, I currently, right now, I'm not putting out as many episodes as I'd like to, I'm losing $20 a month. So if you think that I'm here to grift you, I'm definitely not. Uh, (laughs) If you, if you want to be uh, informed as to the breadth of this subject and, and how deep it can get and how, how, how rivers deep mountain wide, like subject. So much, there's so much out there there. Follow me because you're going to, you're going to be shown cases that, you've never heard of before that you've never even thought could exist in the craziness that is out there. Also, if any finance bros want to text, like text or, or tweet at Robin, give him financial advice. So he doesn't lose money per month. Like, he's also open to that. He will not um, necessarily listen to you, but he will, listen, he will, he'll see it. He will see it. Right. Uh, I'm going, I, I, it would be nice to break even. Uh, if you can get me to break even great. Um, uh, but you know, Money is no object here. So I think this is a natural place to, to end things. Angelo, I'm going to ask you this question as I've been asking you the last little while. Where, where can people find us on the internet? Well, they can start by going to doubledensity.net. Everything's there you need. You can even see our faces. You'll see the face of our guest, Rob. Uh, although it's probably a really old picture we have, but who cares? I want, I want, pictures, I want Wits pictures. at Rob. Uh, that's what I want. I want that picture. <laughs> yeah, I, we kind of like, so we're, we're on Skype and we can see each other, but uh, Rob is, is shadowed. We see just one eye sort of and a hand. Mm, very mysterious. Yeah, um, Loving it. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, this is how you disseminated information in the TV age in the 90s. You were kind of <laughs> partially. <hit>. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll make sure to hide your voice. Yeah. Like, the, yeah. Uh, like, like muffle it up a bit for sure. Uh, I'll put, no, I'll put some, I'll put a vocoder on Oh, there. perfect. Um, they, people can find me at uh, Angela Fuhrer on Twitter. Uh, where can they find you, Brian? Uh, they can find me at Brian Hasty. And also, you forgot to mention, you can find the show on Twitter, double underscore density. You can also hit us up on Instagram at double density podcast. I actually have a couple of pictures on my phone that I want to send out into the account. So I'm going to go ahead and do that soon. Uh, guys, it's been a pleasure. I love talking to the both of you. I have bad news. The white claw and water combo has gone through me and uh, I must now take a bathroom break. So until next episode, Angelo, I will see you around the internet. I will see you on Skype. I will see you in person, perhaps. I might just pop in. You have a gamer's chair. It doesn't have a little hole in it, so you can have to get up no, your we're game. Not, no, no. I'm okay. not a monster. Okay, I'm a, okay. we've discussed this. <laughs> okay. Uh, thanks very much, guys, for being around, and uh, we'll see you soon. All right, bye. Bye, gentlemen.